Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. How do you know that somebody loves you? When somebody says, I love you, do you normally reply by saying, now, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? I mean, you're telling me that you love me, but I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, especially because of this and that and a few other things. You might think in your heart, what does that really mean? Well, it depends on the person, of course, and it depends on the context. People say that for many different reasons, and you do have to consider that on occasion, that there might be some other meaning behind that phrase besides what you would think that it would mean if you were to use that phrase. Some of the common things that people mean when they say that is they mean, I care about you. But what does that mean to say, I care about you? I mean, what does that really represent? Well, that could represent something like, I care about what you were eating today, or I care about whether or not somebody disturbed you today, things like that. Just to say, I care about you, doesn't really have the impact that we would expect a phrase like, I love you, to have. We would expect that to have a little bit more weight to it. But sometimes that's the attitude behind a phrase like that, that that's what a person really intends to say, that they care about somebody in a deep way. Now, to that person, that might mean a lot because they might not care about anybody. They might care about very few people. And so to say that they even care about you at all to them might be of great significance. But to you, it might be of very little significance because perhaps you have a lot of people who care about you. So you got another person who cares about you. And when you have so many people who care about you, adding another one to the list may not be as impressive as this person might think it is when they don't care about hardly anyone. So to them, it's a big deal. But if I had to pick one phrase that would define What most people mean when they say, I love you, I would probably have to pick this one. And that is that I enjoy the way you make me feel. This is probably the most popular one, that when someone says to someone else, I love you, or I love you, or something like that, depending upon the tone, what they really mean behind that is that I love the way you make me feel, that I feel different around you than I feel around somebody else, that you make me feel different. And I love that. I enjoy that. And so I want you to know that I love you. But for those of us who hear that from people, when we hear that, what do we really hear? What do we really hear when that kind of I love you is expressed? Well, what we hear is that you love me now because I make you feel good. But what happens when I make you feel bad? Are you going to love me then? Should I remind you that you said I love you when you start expressing anger and disappointment and frustration? Can I remind you of that later? It's nice to know that you love me. Can I can I write that down on a little card and hand that to you the next time I don't make you feel good and I make you feel bad? Can I hand that over to you and say, now listen, you told me that you love me and here's your chance. 
And what do you suppose their reaction is going to be in a situation like that? Well, it's going to be even more angry. They're going to get even more frustrated. And then you're going to really think, this person doesn't love me like they claim they did. Well, they did love you in the way that they claim that they did, and they're just simply expressing the fact that you are disappointing them, and they feel justified in expressing all kinds of disappointment and frustration and other emotions that don't reflect loving you anymore because you make them feel bad. This is a very important subject because it creates a lot of confusion in people's lives. One of the reasons why people don't think about this a whole lot, though, is because it really reveals the heart of an individual. I mean, if I express that to someone, if I said, I love you, in the context of, I love the way you make me feel, when I say that to myself, I can see just how empty that really is. It's totally empty. I love the way that they make me feel. That's nice. What happens when they make me feel bad? Does that mean I don't have to love them anymore? What kind of love is that? That doesn't mean anything. And so when I admit that, when I confess that, I have to be confronted with my own pride. I have to be confronted with my own sin. I have to be confronted with that in order to consider that. And so this is why people don't want to think about this a whole lot, but I think it's very important when it comes to this subject to really think about how we use these words in the world that we are a part of in the relationships that we have. Because when we say things like, God loves you, or when God speaks to us and says, I love you, we have to think about what that really means. And I have known many people, a lot of people, who have said to me very directly that I do not know the love of God. I do not know what that means. I know it is true that he loves me, but I don't know what that means. And why is that? Why would that be so confusing? Why would that be so difficult to embrace. I sincerely believe it's because we have all of these other definitions that we apply to this word in our daily lives. And because of that, it's confusing because we know that God doesn't relate to us that way. We know that he doesn't love us because he loves the way we make him feel. We know he doesn't love us just because he wants the best for us or because he cares about us. We know it's not like that. We know there's something else. We know that there is something deeper behind that. Well, the reason why I'm telling you this is because we don't have that kind of depth in our being. We don't have that within our characters. When we are spiritually dead, when we do not have maturity in Christ Jesus, our love is empty. It is vacuous. It's like a vacuum that is not only empty, but sucks in whatever is around it. There is nothing there to give. You know, when somebody tells us that they love us, sometimes we have expectations. We have expectations about what that means. We expect things of them. We expect things like words of affirmation. We expect touch. We expect gifts. We expect acts of service. And we expect quality time. These are also known as the five love languages that were written about by Gary Chapman And I have not read his book, but I've heard about them, and I know about them. I have experienced them. I know that these are expectations that people have of other people when other people say that they love them. If somebody says they love you, then within you, 
will be this sense of expectation that they will give you words of affirmation, they will give you touch or gifts or service or quality time. But what happens in many people's lives, in many relationships, is that people start passing judgment against others. They start saying things like, well, you said you loved me. I thought you loved me. Or you claimed that you loved me. Or you should love me anyway just because you're here. So where is the gift? Where is the touch? Where is the quality time? Where is the service? Where are the words of affirmation? And sometimes we pass judgment against other people and we say that they are evil, that they are liars, that they are wicked, that they are going to experience the judgment of God because they do not love us like they should. And yes, I know that is an expression of pure pride within an individual to think that they are so, so important that they deserve anything at all from anyone. That somebody owes them. And if they don't deliver, then God will punish them in a severe way. If not here on earth, he will definitely punish them severely when they face him in heaven. That's the kind of attitude that a lot of people have. Many people have been raised to believe things like this. I know a lot of children who have this kind of attitude towards their parents and towards other people because this is the proper expression of a heart that is filled with pride, that is filled with selfishness, that is filled with the deception that we are something. But folks, we are nothing. We are absolutely nothing. And when people discover that they are, they start feeling depressed about it. They start thinking, oh, woe is me. Woe is me because nobody loves me like I think they should. Well, that is nothing more than I am so important. I am so important that somebody should love me. And because they don't, there is something wrong here and I should be depressed about it. But folks, listen to me very carefully. No one should love me. I don't think anyone has any reason to love me at all. I really don't. I really believe that I am so evil, that I am so sinful, that I am of such little importance that no one owes me anything. No one owes me anything. Now, my reaction to that is not depression. It's nothing more than acknowledgement of the fact. So when somebody does express some sense of love to me, it means something different to me than it does to other people. To other people, it means... Well, that's partial payment for debt. They owe me that, and how nice of them to give me a little bit. But they had better find a way to give me a lot more. But for myself, what I see and what I hear from other people is that every little bit is more than what I deserve. And my appreciation for that is much greater than I can describe. So that's how I personally feel comfortable in saying that I deserve no love and that if no one loves me, I can appreciate that, I can understand that, and I will continue to live my life just as I would live it if everybody loved me. It doesn't make any difference. But that's only because I realize that I am of no importance. Other people believe that they are so important that when people don't love them, it hurts them, it paralyzes them, it causes them pain, they cry, they suffer, they run and hide. But that's only because it's selfish. It is pure, absolute selfishness. So, folks, you've got to get in touch with the reality that you really are nothing. Not for the purpose 
of being able to live in your existence just being nothing, but so that when someone does express something like that to you that is real, that is true, it will have meaning, not in the sense of an obligation or payment for debt or that they owe you something, but it can really be appreciated and received for the purpose and the intent that it was expressed for, regardless of how profound it may have been regardless of whether they just mean I care about you or you make them feel good, none of that will have any bearing anymore. But my purpose in speaking about this right now is not to get into the relational issues between each other. What I want to get into is the relational issue between you and your God, because he does love you, but he loves you in a different way. Now, what would be to you the most ultimate expression of love? I mean, what would that be? What would that really look like? And by asking this question, I'm confident that you would probably come up with something, or maybe you need a few days to think about it. And so considering the amount of time I've got left available in this program, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I think the most ultimate expression, the ultimate expression of love would be. And that would be that a person would give their life for someone else. I believe that that is an expression of love that there is love that is found there. You know, Jesus himself said that no man has greater love than he would give his life for one of his friends or for someone else. That is what Jesus said about love. So I'm going to go with that for the moment, and I'm going to say that if someone truly loves you in a way that would be greater than any other way, it would be for them to be willing to give up the rest of their life for you. Now, this can be expressed in various ways. It can be expressed in the sense that their life ends because they die, or it can be expressed in the context that they will give up the entirety of their goals, of their pursuits, of all of those things that are important to them for you. Now, don't assume that if somebody loves you that they have to do that, that they had better do that, and that you can pass judgment on them if they don't, because that is evil. That is an expression of your own personal pride and self-interest. If someone willingly gives that to you, then that is their gift. That is not a debt that they owe you. Make no mistake about this, that if you expect that of anyone, then you hate them more than they could have loved you if that's what they gave you. That to me, that is an expression of hate to expect someone and to judge them and to perhaps even punish them if they don't give up their entire life goals, all of their pursuits, all of their hobbies, their interests, the things that are important to them, that if that is not freely given, if you have any expectation that they have to give those things up, then you have missed the entire issue because you are consumed with your own personal pride. That's not what I mean. Why don't you do that? Why don't you give up your life? Why don't you give up your interests so that someone else can pursue theirs? If you want to have that kind of an attitude. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is, is to say that that is one way. But what I would like to emphasize is what would happen if somebody realized that they had to make a decision that they were either going to continue to live or they were going to die. I'm going to expand on that type of love. That someone would make a decision and say, I'm going to give up everything in this world that I have and also everything in this world that I might have been able to obtain. To decide that your life would end today 
Are you able to make that kind of a decision? Can you decide that so that someone else could continue to live their life existence? Consider all of the things that you expect in the future. Consider the jobs that you expect to have or that you hope that you might have. Consider the people who are in your life now who love you deeply and also consider the people who you probably will encounter in the future who will love you deeply also. Are you willing to give that up? What about the goals that you have and the things that you want to experience, see, and do? Are you willing to just cut it off right now and say, this is the end? This is the end of my life. I am willing to give it all up. What about your possessions? Let's say you have a lot of possessions. Let's assume that you have a significant amount of wealth. So much wealth that you would have a very difficult time spending it all in your lifetime. If you have so much wealth that you don't know what to do with it, are you willing to just cut off your life right now and let it all go? And not spend it? Not enjoy it in this world? Is that the kind of love that you have for someone else? That if their life was threatened, would you give your life for them? Or if they were about to be injured in some way, but they would continue to live, let's say that they were about to be injured, would you give your entire life, would you die so that they would not be injured? Do you have that kind of love for anyone? If you don't, I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm only wanting to describe to you a type of love That is very rare. That is very unusual. Now, if you think that this love is unusual, if it is rare, then let's talk about some of your neighbors. I'm sure you have some neighbors around you somewhere. If you would take a moment to think about your neighbors, do you love your neighbors? I mean, all of your neighbors? Now, you might like some of your immediate neighbors, but how about a few houses away? Do you love those neighbors? Do you love those people that you don't really know a lot, but you know enough to say that you know them? You might know their name. You know what they do during the day. You know that there are some things that are important to them. Some of those things might create a lot of noise, and that noise might annoy you sometimes. You know that there are a lot of neighbors around you. Let me ask you, would you be willing to give your life for all of these people? If they were in a situation where they were about to die, where they were about to become a victim, that they were going to suffer, would you step in their place? Would you rush out of your front door? Would you rush out of there? Would you drop everything that was going on in your life right now? Would you rush out there and step in their place and say, take me, take me instead. Let me die. I will die so that this person can continue to live the life that they have right now, that they have been living. Would you do that? Is that the kind of love that you have for them? Well, if you don't have that kind of love for them, I can understand that. I'm not wanting you to feel guilty about it. That's not my purpose in describing this situation to you. My purpose in describing this situation to you is so that you might know a little bit about the love of God. Because our God died. He came and he lived a life, that in and of itself is something to me, that he would leave heaven, that he would leave his kingdom, and he would manifest in the flesh, he would be one of us, and then he would live one of these lives that we live, that he would work, he would eat, he would sleep, he would do all the things that we do in life, he would go through all of that. Why would he leave heaven and live a life here? 
It's hard for us to get in touch with that. Let me ask you, would you like to live in heaven instead of here? Would you be interested in that? I think the more that you grow to understand what heaven is like, you probably would have more of an interest in going there than staying here. But what about this situation, this circumstance, where God decided to leave heaven and come here? He did that. And then he went through all that he went through. And he suffered. And he experienced an execution. A terrible execution. Execution by crucifixion is a terrible way to die. An extremely painful experience. And he went through all of that. And he didn't do that just for the people who were close to him. He didn't do that just for the people who liked him. He didn't just do that for the people who loved him and gave him gifts and did things for him and spent quality time with him and gave him words of affirmation and gave him a hug on occasion. He didn't do that just for those people. He certainly did do it for those people, but he did it for everyone. He did it for the people who ridiculed him. He did it for the people who persecuted him. He did it for the people who crucified him. And he did it for the people who would continue to live their lives being an enemy of his. He did it for his enemies. He did it for the people who hated him the most. So when I ask you, would you be willing to do that for your neighbor? Your neighbors may have bothered you on occasion, but did they treat you in the same way that some of these people treated Jesus? Have they done that? If they do, would you still be willing to die for them? I want you to see that the Lord has shown that he loves you. He has shown that. And you may want him to show you in a different way. But this is the way that he decided to show you. And if you don't like the fact that he died, try the fact that he lived. The fact that he came here to live at all, let alone die. Because in some ways you could suggest that that could be more painful than the death that he experienced. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. He speaks about salvation after that. And that salvation is something that can be experienced because of what he did. I'll talk about this more in the next program. But in this program, what I would like to finish with is this important issue that this is the way that God decided to show you that he loves you. This is the way. This is the way that he has shown everyone that he loves them. Because it is complete, absolute, public knowledge that God manifested in the flesh and that he died for the sins of humanity. It's public knowledge. There are many people who refuse to believe that, but they have been confronted with it. They have been confronted with it, and so they will have no excuse The only reason why they don't believe it is because they live in denial. They live in denial of reality. That's it. But this is the way things are. And this is the way he has told people that he loves them. Now, I believe that there is much more that he can say about this love that he has for us. I know that. I believe that. I know that. I have experienced that. That's why I can say that. 
because I have experienced his love in more ways than just this. He has shown me that he loves me in more ways than just this. He has given me words of affirmation. He has told me that I am loved by him. He has told me that he accepts me. He has told me that he cares about me. He has touched me in the deepest part of my soul and spirit. He has given me in gifts more than I could have possibly ever requested. He has served me. He has taken his time. His time. I know my God has a lot of things to do, but he has taken time out of his life to spend that time with me personally. And I am very thankful for that. He has served me in many ways. And he has given me opportunities to express my appreciation and to affirm who he is. And I believe, even though I do not yet know, I believe that in some ways I have touched his heart. And I pray that one day he will reveal to me how that has happened. And I have given him my life. And I serve him. And I give him all the time that I have at my disposal. But these are not given as expectations or as payment for debt. These are given mutually between us, freely. That is our expression of love towards one another. But these are things that have been revealed over time. It started with me. It started with the acknowledgement that he died for me. That's where it started. And so with everyone, it must start somewhere. I believe that that is the starting point that he chose for the majority of people. And so if you have not yet experienced what I am telling you, if you haven't experienced the reality that your your God is real and this relationship that he wants to have with you is real, if you have not experienced this, then go back to the beginning. Go back and remember that he died for you and ask him to show you the love that he has expressed to you through that. And I believe through starting again, there will be no end to the revelation of his love for you. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,